this is Everyday Leaders. I'm your host, Melanie Ake. Everyday Leaders is an inspirational show to help you develop strategies to overcome everyday obstacles in your life. Today's guest will share the secret that he practices every day that allows him to achieve a life of success. Today's Everyday Leader will share how his influence in the community allowed him to serve as a leader during the devastation to our country on September 11th. David Hunt is my guest today. Everyday Leaders, 50 and 50, show seven starts now. Welcome to the program, David. Uh, Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, so we go way back, and I think about almost half my life that I've known you. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't seem like that long. It doesn't seem, it seems like yesterday. But we met at a time um, in the medical profession long ago, and you you kind of uh, really were somebody that I responded to and helped with in, in some coroner cases. You were a coroner in a local community, mm-hmm. and I was in tissue banking. And interesting to kind of people that have never been exposed to that, you know, it's all in this line of service and helping. And tell me a little bit about your family history in Crawfordsville and, and kind of how you've gotten into serving others. Yeah, um, I was born and raised here in Crawfordsville, just a you know a small town guy. Um, just um, grew up here, the typical small town life. You know, back in the day when you could take off on your bike in the morning and come home before dark and that kind of stuff, which was a pretty awesome childhood. But the 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 catcher was I I lived in a funeral home. Uh, my family business is the funeral business, and uh, so I grew up uh, living here in the in the in the funeral home, grew up, uh, well, until I left for college, really, I lived in the funeral home. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, uh, so to speak, when I grew up, and sometimes I still wonder what to do when I grow up, but um, <laughs> I uh, decided, I worked one summer uh, at the funeral home and decided I, I liked helping others, and, uh, you know, it was a good business opportunity, and it was right there for me, so um, that's basically how I got started. Yeah. So all these years, I mean, you've done this for a long time and, and through that you've had so many experiences. And as I was putting the show together, I thought, my gosh, David Hunt's right there at the top of my list because just the memories that I share with you and kind of your passion and your intention in, um, not only being involved in the funeral home business and helping the community, but you also were a coroner. Right. Yeah. And, and it's kind of one of those things that one thing led into another that led into another. And, you know, from the funeral business, um, not too long afterwards, I, you know, I, I've kind of had a passion and interest in law enforcement. Um, so I became a reserve police officer, which is essentially a volunteer police officer with the city force here. Uh, and then after doing that for a few years, I was encouraged to run for the coroner position, which uh, I did. Uh, I served... Uh, well, I've, I've been with the coroner's office for 22 years now, 16 of those as coroner. And uh, like I said, that's just led one thing into another with, uh, you know, the coroner's thing. And I've, uh, through that, I've met some folks that are involved with a disaster team. And I got on, got involved with that. And I've responded to quite a few major incidences since then. And uh, it's just uh, kind of gone from there. Mm-hmm. So I want to, before I get into all the things that you, you were doing with that DMORT team, um, 
talk to me about, you know, kind of the leadership in the Corners Association. And so now that you, you know, you've been involved with that for 22 years, how do you, how do you kind of, you know, guide other people that are becoming a coroner for the first time? Because that's an elected position. And, it is, and yeah. people may not have experience doing that. So if they're kind of newly elected to that, what are, what are kind of some things that you help, help them through or help tell them about? Right, right. Back when I got elected, it was just, um, you got elected and that was it. Um, and then within the first couple of years, uh, Indiana had implemented a training program, uh, to, to make everybody a certified investigator, uh, which has been a good thing. Um, and you know, I, re- I remember back in the day I would call, uh, Dr. Avolt and Lafayette, cause he was kind of the experienced guy back then, you know, asking all kinds of questions, of, you know, how do you do this? What do you do about that? Uh, and then now after 20 years, uh, I'm kind of the old guy that everybody calls to, <laughs> to ask these questions. <laughs> and I kind of scratched my head and I was like, how did I get here? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm an instructor for the state now. I help teach the, the new corner certification course. Uh, and I've, I've been involved with, uh, you know, the corner association is, you know, all through the officer's positions, uh, uh, president. And then also I was on the corners training board, which actually oversees the, the training and certification program as well. Uh, because it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things, uh, it is kind of a, uh, an overlooked, but complex, uh, line of work. Uh, and it's, you know, very, uh, very underpaid. And so it's, it's definitely a service, uh, service job for sure. Absolutely. Well, you, you really fit your whole personality, your, you know, the way you approach things, um, very pragmatic and very helpful. And, and so for your community, you know, that's, it's obvious, right? I mean, you've, you've been able to be that corner position and that leadership position for so many years. It, well, I, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and having the funeral home as well. I mean, that just is kind of the staple of the community. And, and so it's interesting because, you know, a lot of people may not have had experience with even a death, right? And, and so you've been able to kind of up level that and say, I do that for my profession. I also do that, you know, as a, it's kind of a passion in this elected official position, um, to get really involved in helping people through that, that grieving process. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think more of it, um, because I've been involved, I know so much more than maybe the average consumer, but you know, it's really proving, and, and giving people that validity of what actually happened um, at that time of, of a death. And so there's such, that is such a service um, that if you haven't been involved with it, um, to kind of be on that other side, you know, and what you do and how you do it is so, it's such a gift um, to others. So really thank you from all of us that, you know, when you have to kind of go through that process, you want somebody like David Hunt to be able to, to kind of help you understand and assess what's next. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, And I'm going to ask you a little bit about this because I, you know, I've kind of followed you for years, but on the DMORT team, um, when you think of a date that comes to mind and, and having to use all of the things that you've trained on and using that for one specific time in your life, um, talk to us about September 11th. Yeah, I mean, you know, of course, our our whole country and world really changed on that day. And uh, me in particular, I, I I can still remember we had a funeral schedule for that day. I came in, and we had the news on in the back, and we saw what was happening. And I knew instantly, um, you know, I'm 
eventually probably going to end up there at that at that site. I was not in the initial response. Uh, it was, of course, obviously a huge, huge, huge response uh, as far as the mass fatality side of things. Uh, I came in in a in a second wave later on uh, down the road, but still, uh, I was there um, in October, I guess it was, when I rotated in. Uh, we were working at the medical examiner's office, assisting them uh, with manpower and things like that. Uh, but we still went down to the site quite a bit, and uh, you know, just just a just a sense of awe that you know something so huge and tragic. Just seeing it on TV just really didn't uh, didn't really touch what you what you actually saw and felt when you were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just unbelievable. And even though you had been trained for all these years before that, you know, how do you prepare for something like that? Uh, you know, and that something that of that magnitude, you really don't, you just, you just train and, and prepare yourself as best you can. And, uh, and then you just place up your boots and, and get to work. And that's what we did. We, uh, we were there to, to assist the, uh, the medical examiner of New York city, as well as the fire department, police department. Uh, and, uh, you know, there were thousands and thousands of workers and volunteers there that over the uh, the several months that that process went on, uh, so you know, I was I was just fortunate to uh, play a small part in that. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think? You know, in going back and reflecting, you know, that's been so many years now. What do you think that you learned the most from that experience that you kind of brought back with you to implement? Oh gosh, um, you know, just. Um, that that was one of the first uh, instances where I truly felt a part of a of something bigger. You know, we were we were a small team that was part of a bigger team uh, in in a global event, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just making sure that that team works together and everybody uh, is there for the for one purpose, and and it's not our purpose; it's to serve others and and to make sure that we can help these uh, families get their loved ones back. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that, that was our, that's our overall mission on any mission we go on, uh, is to serve the families and make sure their loved ones are returned in a dignified manner, mm-hmm. uh, on, on any disaster. And, uh, that one, you know, that one was probably a pretty emotional one, obviously, because we were, you know, it was a terrorist attack and, uh, you know, any disaster obviously is, is catastrophic and, and devastating to all those involved. Uh, and, but, you know, the terrorist attack, we met a lot of the fire and policemen that were affected and, uh, you know, the, the looks on their faces when they bring their, their brothers in uh, to the medical examiner's office is just, uh, you know, something you don't forget. Mm-hmm. And how long were you there from when you started in October? I was there for two weeks. For two weeks. We, do, we do normally do two-week rotations, yeah. Mm-hmm. And back then I was fairly new on the team, so I was, I was, just, I was just a worker bee and nothing spectacular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when you, you came home, I'm sure, you know, your wife, Karen, and, and family and the kids are like, hey, Dad, how did this change you? You know, it's because I'm sure you came home like <laughs> yeah, that so was, thankful, right? Yeah, yeah. 9-11 was my first uh, first deployment with that team. Uh, so, you know, I wasn't really sure how I was going to react. And it, it definitely changes you. Um, you know, we run, you know, it's a pretty high operational tempo. So you're you're running a pretty good clip there for the for the two weeks. And so, yeah, coming home and, and trying to to spin down from that, it, it takes a little bit of doing. That was our first experience to go through that. And, you know, uh, since then, been through it 
quite a bit. And you know, my wife knows when I when I come home, there's there's going to be a few days where I'm going to be a little a little out of sorts. But mm-hmm. uh, um, that's that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So um, first of all, just thank you, right, for for serving our country like that. That I know there were a lot of people that stepped up and did that. But there's always that opportunity to say, I can't or, you know, this isn't going to work for my schedule. And, and you've always just stepped up and said yes. So that's the kind of leader that you are that I really, you know, will want people to reflect on um, as they get to know you and, and kind of your story. Um, the other thing is that people that know David Hunt know this, but my listeners may not know that you've competed as an Ironman. Yeah. Yeah. So I want you to talk to me really about that process. What got you started thinking about, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to up level, you know, my physical fitness. I'm going to go do this. And I I just want you to lead me through that journey because that is amazing. Well, I don't know how long this show is, but uh, (laughs) um, kind of a little backstory to that. When I was 13 years old, I was hit by a car and uh, broke my femur. And back then, that was before they had all the fancy titanium pins and screws and, and whatnot. You laid in traction until your leg healed. And through some complications and whatnot, basically my right leg is shorter than my left leg. So athletics, although I love competing in, in sports and you know physical fitness and things like that, running and, and you know that kind of things have always been a challenge for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I came out of, out of that in the, let's see, it was in the eighth grade when that happened. And, you know, all my friends were playing football and here I was this little chronic kid that had been laying in the hospital for several weeks. And, uh, so I, I worked hard and tried to get back and played some football and, uh, but nothing, nothing major there. Um, and then I've, as you know, as I've grown, you know, I lifted weights and just tried to stay in shape. Um, and then, you know, the mini marathon in Indy obviously is a huge thing. And I, uh, one year, uh, gosh, it's been probably 12, 15 years ago. I decided, well, I think I might try that just to, to see if I can type of thing. And cause running had always been a struggle for me because my knees, uh, with my hips being uneven, my knees take a pretty good beating and would get sore pretty easy. And so I just kind of always told myself, man, I, I'm just, I can't really run that far. And, but I did it and there were some friends, we all did it, uh, um, together and and yeah that first one it really hurt and I thought well okay I, I did that and but I had a lot of fun so I did it again and again and um long story short just my mentality that led okay I've done this several times now I need to do a full marathon and so we decided to I uh, told my wife I wanted to do a full marathon so I did that and uh, I'd always watched uh, you know, Ironman broadcasts the world championships once a year, the one in Kona, Hawaii. That's what the one everybody sees on TV. Mm-hmm. And I'd watched it for years, even back when I was on, you know, ABC wide world of sports. And, uh, you know, um, I'd seen it many times and just thought, man, that is just, it's just amazing. Just that anybody could even do that. Uh, you know, go that far even in two days, let alone in one day. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a local triathlon here, a sprint triathlon, which is a shorter distance. It's a 500 yard swim and then a, about a 10 or 12 mile bike. And then I think it was a three mile run or something. Um, and I entered that just to try it. Cause it always looked, it looked like fun. It was a fundraiser for the local swim club. And, 
And so I did that. And so, so before almost, that, before that, were you, um, were you kind of an active swimmer or you just, no, I, I swam a little bit in high school and as a kid on the local swim club. And, uh, so, you know, again, I was average swimmer at best. <laughs> and, um, so I struggled through the 500 yard swim and then got on the bike and, uh, by the time I got to the run, I think I came in second to last or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that was my glorious start to triathlon, but, <laughs> but you didn't, but I up, really right? liked it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the different disciplines and, um, I entered another one later that summer and, uh, just had a lot of fun at that. So what, what does your training look like? So when you first started it, you know, to kind of, oh, say, just for the short ones, you know, yeah. I'd already been running. So the three mile run wasn't a struggle and, uh, you know, I tooled around the bike for a little bit and then I swam at the pool and, uh, you know, it wasn't anything, uh, super disciplined at that point. Um, and then I, like I say, at that point I'd gotten bitten by the bug. So I decided to <laughs> pursue it a little more. And I talked to my wife about, you know, what do you think I'd read about, you know, how to train for an Ironman and, you know, several programs where the average guy can do it and, uh, that kind of stuff. And so we talked about it and we, I just decided to, jump in with both feet, if you will. And, uh, in 2014, uh, this 45 year old idiot entered Ironman Louisville and, uh, um, just, and it was, it's one of those journeys, uh, and it's a long process. You know, I started training in, in January for a race that was in August mm-hmm. and, uh, it's, uh, the, the journey itself was, was probably as, as cool as the, the event itself. So what did those um, days look like from January to August? Oh man, a lot of early mornings, uh, you know, you'd hit the pool first thing in the morning when it opened. And then usually after work, there would be an, you know, there was usually two workouts a day. You do, uh, each discipline, uh, two to three times a week. And then on the weekends are your long sessions, mm-hmm. uh, usually a long run on Saturdays and then a long bike ride on Sunday. Um, well it builds, you know, as it goes on. So the closer you get to the event, the longer it is. So, by midsummer, you know, we'd come up from church and I would take off on my bike and show back up around dinner time. And, you know, Karen was a saint for letting me get through all that stuff. And, uh, it was, it, it's just a really long process and, you know, your body definitely feels it by that time. And, uh, but then you hit what's called the taper where everything starts to, your training starts to back down. And then, but by the time it's, it's ready for the event and, uh, we headed off to Louisville and, uh, did my first one. Wow. So your knees so, went from when you were little, you know, trying to kind of compete. So you kind of built your body up around that. So you're. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things that your body adjusts to it. And with proper training, um, you know, it's not, you don't obviously don't go out and run a marathon right off the bat. It's, you know, you start out and your first long run that first weekend might be three or four miles. Uh, and then the next weekend it's three and a half and then, you know, four from there, it just builds up. Mm-hmm. And your body adapts, and uh, it, not to say that there isn't some issues along the way, tendonitis, and obviously, in being in your mid forties, uh, things don't heal up as fast anyway. So, but you kind of um, said it's pretty much about nine to ten months of being sore. Yeah, and, but you kind of <laughs> said, you know, hey, I'm I'm at a time in my life where I'm going to accomplish this. This is really something that has just struck me as I've got to do this, right? And so you went after it. And yeah, I just decided to do it, and that's. Once I decided, then it was it was all in. Let's go, and that's what we did. It's kind of like that joke about the three frogs on a log. <laughs> they all look <laughs> at each other and say, "I think I'm going to jump in." 
And the next one looks at the other one and says, I think I'm going to jump in. And the third one says, I think I'm going to jump in. And how many frogs are left? All right. three of them, because oh. they, they were just thinking about it, yeah. That's exactly right. They didn't, they never did anything about it. They were talking about it. But, right. Um, so I love, I love kind of that journey and listening to you and, you know, understanding that somebody that wants to accomplish things in life, right, this whole show is about leadership. And so listening to you through so many things of a process, you know, being, being in this family business, knowing that that was kind of something that you could get into, that you learned, that you have you've kind of thrown yourself and passionately surrounded the rest of your life, you know, to kind of support that. And then this, this whole athletic thing later in life to say, I, I really am connected to this, this purpose and it's pulling me into this. Um, and now you're a grandfather. So, so that's kind of the fun next phase of life. And, um, what are, what would you say the biggest trade-off has been for you in trying to accomplish all of the things that you've done? Oh gosh, um, you know, with with my job and and with Ironman, there it's everything's a is a trade off with time and and you know trying to balance you know family and life and what all you want to do and what all you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my like I said, I my wife has um, been fully supportive. When I decided to do an Ironman. She was fully supportive, and uh, when I decided to do a second one, she was on board with that too. And um, and then when the second one didn't pan out, the, she was the one that told me to get in the third one. So, um, that's, you know, we, we always been supportive of each other's, you know, hopes and dreams and encourage one another. And, um, that's what's, you know, one thing that's kept me going, but like I say, the trade-off is when I'm training for a full Ironman like that, there's, uh, there's some evenings when I've got to work out and, you know, be gone for an hour or two and, then you come home and make dinner and then it's off to bed because you're tired because you've been up since five in the morning working out and yep. uh, those kind of things. Uh, so, so it's a, it's a balancing act. Uh, well, and you know, we talk about leadership and, and some of the principles of kind of the design, the law of design and thinking about how you want your life to be. And, and so you intentionally plan to do those things that you want to accomplish. And, so your life has kind of evolved through that, right? You just have said, I am taking control and I'm going to do these things consistently so that I can achieve my goals. Um, and, right. and so the, as simple as it is, right, is as simple as it is for somebody that's kind of leading their life of success, kind of the message to listeners is, you know, your journey is what you make it. And so what you're given in life and kind of what you become you know, you, you weren't an all-star football player, but you're an Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because yeah. you decided that that was something that I want to accomplish and I'm connected to. Uh, so I just love your story, and I, I just thank you for coming on and sharing that. Um, what, what, what's next for you? What are you curious about? What books are you reading to kind of inspire you? Um, talk to us about your next part of your journey. Um. Well, I'm I'm still in the triathlon game. I'm doing the 70.3 distances now, um, which is a half Ironman distance. Oh um, so it's it's just um, it's just a much easier training schedule. Um, you know, I've ruled out future Ironmans. Obviously, every Ironman's dream is to go to Kona, but uh, that's that's definitely a, a way off dream. But um, I've got a couple uh, 70.3s on the schedule for this year. So, wow. uh, you know, I'm I'm starting to ramp up training for that. Um, 
but you know, right now we're just enjoying this time of our life with the the grandkids. You know, we've got the one grandson and another one on the way, yeah. so our granddaughter on the way, uh, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I love watching my kids grow, and and they're both married and uh, successful. And um, you know, my son's a firefighter, and uh, my daughter's raising our grandson and works at our church with kids. And you know, watching her with the the kids that she works with is is just super neat and. Uh, you know, hearing stories of my son, uh, you know, putting out a fire or, you know, saving a life in the ambulance or something like that. It's just, yep. I mean, that's what it's all about. I just love that right now. So following the footsteps, you've become a role model, uh, really for their life, which is just, it's, it's an amazing, if people don't know you, I'm going to say, reach out to David and Karen Hunt cause you're amazing people. And, and that's been just amazing to kind of watch you guys and your family through life. Now, I'm going to ask you one more question. Okay. <laughs> so um, there was something that we had in common that we did together. And maybe people don't know this, but it happened at Pan Am Plaza for a few years. And, yep. <laughs> and it included ice and a stick. <laughs> yeah, that was another crazy decision. I you would you were a hockey player and i always wanted to play hockey but again in Crawfordsville there's uh, no ice here so um and you you guys were playing in the uh, just a fun league over there and so yeah again i just made a crazy decision i wanted to play ice hockey so uh off i showed up with a bag of stuff i didn't know how to use and i put it all on and joined a hockey team joined so, a hockey team played and- for several years, but it was, it was a good time. It was a good time. It, it was something that of a pickup league and then kind of became an organized league. And it was so much fun because people that, you know, it was built around, if you didn't know how to skate, you were still accepted as part of the group. And we all just kind of had fun and taught each other and, and dropped in and, you know, elevated your skill set after a while. Cause you just commit to the process, but it's just yeah. one more thing that shows that you're determined you know, as an individual to kind of see things through and take something on and learn it and, uh, and just see it through. So amazing, your attitude of achievement, you're able to just kind of take the challenge and, and run down the road with it and look back and go, wow. So are you going to write a book? Uh, I, I've, I've thought, you know, I've looked back on my life and some of the stories and things I've been involved in and yeah, I wish I was a better, uh, I guess, journaler, if you will, but I've never been much of a writer uh, to, to putting that stuff pen to paper. And uh, so I don't, I don't know that I could accomplish that, but I've certainly been uh, been blessed with a lot of different experiences over the years, uh, both good and bad. But, uh, you know, that's what makes us is, uh, you know, everything we go through and, um, you know, we we decide how we're going to live and and that's what we do. So. Uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of in the odd profession of, of of caring for the deceased, and then that branched into uh, you know responding to disasters, and never you know into the coroner's thing, and just one thing led to another. But that's how life works sometimes. And, mm-hmm. uh, the the Ironman uh, community is certainly a a neat thing. Has kind of helped me deal with some of the issues that I've that popped up over the year with because of my profession. The the physical exercise kind of staves off the stress and uh traumatic issues and uh so that's uh that's been a blessing that just popped up and yep that was my, for me so. that was my next question so how do you stretch yourself when you're kind of at your limit 
you know, and you, you kind of have, have that time in your life where you're really busy at work and you really want to try to train and how do you balance all of that? Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a balance. Uh, you know, sometimes the getting out on a long run is just a good way to unwind from a stressful day. But then there's times if I'm training for a full on event, then that becomes a stressor in itself. Cause I've got to get this workout in and I've got to get that workout in. And, uh, so I've tried to keep it to where I, you know, I, I just, when it doesn't become fun anymore, then there's really no sense in doing it. I've accomplished, uh, you know, two Ironman finishes out of three. And so, um, I've accomplished what I want to accomplish, but uh, I still love doing it and participating. And uh, like I say, it's a good stress reliever. Uh, you know, it's helped me through some some traumatic issues over the past few years. And uh, so that's it's, like I say, everything's a balancing act. I most of my workouts occur early in the morning, which is nice because it gives me the the discipline to get up early and and get moving, uh, get a good start to the day. Uh, if you get a good workout in early in the morning. Uh, it usually starts your day off a little better than just falling out of bed and coming to work late. So, yep. Well, and and that's always been good for me, anyway. <laughs> and and um, one of my interviewees said, you know, the, the biggest thing that they read one time was to get out of bed and make your bed. Right. That was your first accomplishment. So right, I think yeah. it's hard for people that aren't early morning risers to say, "Oh, great, Dave Hunt. He's an early morning riser. He's got to work twenty four seven schedules." you know, at the funeral home that you just kind of prepare for that in your life. You get calls through the day, through the night, and you have to be able to just respond to that. And you're, you kind of train your body. So I think, you know, what you've done in your career has also prepared you to be an athlete, right? And have that just determined mindset that when the bell goes off, you've got to go take care of it. And so, mm-hmm. um, so that's really a kind of a critical piece that I think is hard for people that haven't um, experience that yet. And they're looking for like, what's that consistency mean? And it's just, it's really following the process, right? It's making yourself do those things daily, um, that are going to lead to that success. Um, you know, something that, so we always talked about, um, you know, having, having the funeral home, there was a show way long ago, um, the six feet under, right? That was the, mm-hmm. the HBO series and kind of living in that funeral home. What have you learned? Um, kind of the, the compassion that you have for people that you take care of. Um, can you tell, tell the listeners a little bit about, you know, kind of the other side of the business, how that, you know, cause I'm sure it's, it's sad. You have to deal with a lot of things that come at you. Um, and you have found these other passions to kind of deal with that stress, but, um, I just think from dealing with that every single day, that compassion that you have, that open, grateful heart, you know, of having your family and being in that family business. Um, can you talk to our listeners at all about what that's like being in a family funeral home business? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, like I say, it's it's an interesting situation, you know, meeting with families and, and helping them through the process. Uh, you know, it's neat to learn from, learn about people and, you know, what, what they've done in their lives and to help families, uh, you know, go through those memories and, and plan a good remembrance uh, for their family is, is pretty rewarding. And they come back later and give you a hug and, you know, thank you so much for everything that we did and uh, all that. So that's, that's really what it's all about is, is making sure that they have a, a good final remembrance for their, for their family member. Yep. 
Well, you sure have built a life of character, and it's wonderful to call you a friend. We've known each other for so long, and I feel like just interviewing you here, I've, I'm, it's like we haven't even missed a link, <laughs> you know, <laughs> over the years. So yeah. I, I really just want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing your experiences with us. Um, all the best to you and your family and the success of maybe the next Iron Man. <laughs> but uh, so cool to to have you share with us. And thank you for being a leader in the community, you know, helping us through these traumatic things um, that have happened in the world. And you've stepped up and, and really shown us, you know, how to just stand strong and, and it's for the good of others. So uh, just thank you from the bottom of my heart for that, because that's really important. Oh yeah, I'll take you too. I mean, like I said, getting the getting the word out there about helping people step up and making that decision to step up and lead is important too. And and uh, that's what you know this is all about. So. Yep. Everybody can do it; they just have to decide. Like a, a, a quote I heard is, "It's it's simple, but it's not easy." Yeah, it's simple, but it's so. not easy. Exactly. So we will leave you with that. But David Hunt, thank you very very much. All the best, and we will be in touch. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you for joining me this week on Everyday Leaders 50 and 50. You won't want to miss next week's show, which is show eight of 50 and 50. When you subscribe to Everyday Leaders in Apple iTunes or for Android in the Google Play Store, you can receive automatic notifications each week for my new shows. Join me. Everyday Leaders, 50 and 50, show 8, starts March 11th.